So we're going to be continuing our series uh, looking at the Gospel of Luke. And um, a summary uh, so far is just going to come up on the screen of the stories in Luke that we've touched. Uh, the little icons in pink uh, were the part of the story where we were introducing Jesus, looking at his birth. In green, it was the beginning of his ministry in Galilee, which takes us up to Luke chapter 9. And then since Luke chapter 9, we've been in this on the road phase from chapter 9 through to chapter 19. A lot of Jesus's teaching will happen like we've seen over the last couple of weeks with Mark and Tex. And um, and then as we come towards Easter, we're going to be coming towards Jerusalem and towards the trial, the betrayal, the death and then the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Just so you know the end of the story and where we're going and we'll get there by Easter. Uh, today we're going to be in Luke chapter 14 verses 15 to 24 and we're going to be looking at some teaching of Jesus and um, Jeff is going to read for us so over to you Jeff. Today's reading comes from Luke chapter 14 verses 15 through to 24. When one of those who reclined at the table with him heard these things he said to him blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. But he said to him a man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, come, for everything is now ready. But they all like began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a field, and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, Go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor and crippled and blind and lame. And the servant said, Sir, what you have commanded has been done, and there is still room. And the master said to the servant, go out to the highways and hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. Cheers, Jeff. As a little nod to FIFA for those in the know. Um, I just felt actually, just before we start, uh, that there's someone here, you've been... Uh, writing something it might be an application or maybe you're trying to write a book maybe you're applying for a job or something and um you've been getting rejections and i just felt the spirit prompt really that you need to kind of go again there's a verse in isaiah where uh, in jeremiah where god says to jeremiah take another scroll and jeremiah had been writing it got ripped up and thrown away and then god said take another scroll write again and i feel god saying to some someone here today take another scroll if that's you, go again. God is with you. Don't give up. We're going to go today through this story in Luke 14, verse by verse. And then at the end, we're just going to uh, look at a few things that we've learned from this story. So that's where we're going. Luke chapter 14 and verse 15. Jesus is um, traveling now through the country uh, and he's come to a certain town and a Pharisee invites him for dinner and they're kind of quizzing him. They're trying to check him out. Is he kosher or not? 
And um, during the meal, someone makes this statement. When one of those who reclined at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, blessed is everyone who eats in the kingdom of God. And this was like a, a nice saying that they used to use in those days. Uh, and it takes one of the dominant ideas in the Jewish faith, which is this promise. It comes from Isaiah 25 and other places. One day, God's special person will come. Messiah, the anointed one. God's special person will come and we will sit down with him in a feast in the kingdom of God. And all the, all the good people, all the right people, all the insiders will be invited and all the wrong people will be excluded from that feast. And so this guy says this statement and Jesus takes this opportunity to go, you're right, but also you're wrong. And let me just correct your thinking a little bit. And that's the parable now that Jesus is going to tell. So verse 16, Jesus is telling a story. He said to him, a man once gave a great banquet and invited many. Uh, in Matthew's telling of this story, in Matthew 22, the host is a king throwing a wedding banquet for his son, which throws a little bit of color on it. I want you to imagine that me in my house in Reading, I'm doing a barbecue and I'm cooking lots of Greek food, uh, souvlagi and stuff like that, and I'm inviting some people to my house for a barbecue, okay? Verse 17, and at the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who'd been invited, come, for everything is now ready. So this was a normal way of inviting. Uh, they didn't really have watches, didn't work to time so much in that culture. So you wouldn't say to people, come at 7.30. You would say to people, I'm having a banquet tonight. How many people want to come? And then you'd go and you'd kill the right animals. You'd prepare your food. And then you'd send your servant to say, right, everything's ready. Time to come up to the big house now and we can eat. So first an invitation and then a summons. And according to how many people are coming, that's how much food I'm going to prepare. So if two to four people are coming, I'll take a chicken. If five to eight people are coming, I'll prepare a duck. If 10 to 15 people are coming, I'll prepare a kid. Uh, that's a baby goat, not one of your kids. Uh, if 15 to 35 people are coming, I'll prepare a sheep. And if loads of people are coming, 35 to 75, then I'll, I'll kill a calf. And if it's the whole village, I'll take the fattened calf, which is what we see in Luke chapter 15. And so... Uh, uh, the guy has had the, the responses from people, he's prepared his meat, he's killed his animals, he's been cooking them, it, evening's coming, and now he sends his servant to say, right, it's time to come up to the house because we're ready. And there's a time element, the time has come. And in a lot of parables, there is a, a time element, it's like a, click, a ticking clock, this sense that we're in a story, we're moving forward, and we need to grab our opportunities. So that's where we're at now. Verse 18. Is this okay? We're just going to go verse by verse through this story. But... They all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I've bought a field and I need to go and see it. Please have me excused. And so they all start making excuses. That's a little suspicious. And um, they've said they're going to come. And now when the summons comes, they start fabricating these things. And as we're going to see, they're all insulting, rude, stupid excuses. They are lies. Actually, they're fabrications. This first one, I've bought a field and I need to go see it. In the Middle East, no one buys a field without spending months, even years, examining it because a lot of the ground isn't good. You know, is it facing the sun or not? Does it have the right irrigation? Is the terracing secure? What is the quality of the soil? You're never just going to buy a field. That'd be a waste of money. And anyway, 
It's evening. If you were going to go check it out, you would have gone in the day. You can't look at a field in the darkness. He's making it up. The, um, the Reading equivalent would be, sorry, Andy, I'm not coming to your house to eat Greek food because I've just completed the purchase on a house and now I need to go and have a look at it. It's like, no, no one buys a house without looking at it, without getting the surveys done, without getting the, the inquiries done about it. So it's a lie. He's making it up. It's a deliberate insult to this guy. Verse 19. And another said, I've bought five yoke of oxen and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. Again, you would never do this. Uh, five yoke of oxen, five pairs of oxen. Uh, the whole point of a pair of oxen is they need to be able to pull together. They need to be well matched. You would never buy oxen that you hadn't tested out uh, to see if they could actually pull together in a straight line. Otherwise, they're useless. He's lying. It's, it's the equivalent of an alien stole my homework, miss. You know, it's a complete, obvious, utter fabrication. And the degree of insult has ramped up from guy one to guy two. Land, at least, is holy. But oxen are animals. Animals are unclean. He's preferring unclean animals to, uh, to this invitation. The Reading equivalent would be, Andy, I'm not coming to your house to eat Greek food uh, because I've just bought five used cars over the phone and I'm on my way down to Cash for Cars on Southampton Street to see if any of them actually start. You, you would never do that. You would never do that. It's insulting. It's a deliberate personal public insult. I hope you see that. Verse 20. And another said, I've married a wife and therefore I cannot come. This third excuse is the rudest of all. He didn't just get married today because uh, in a village you can only handle one great event. If there'd been a wedding, I wouldn't have been throwing a feast. Um, uh, but also, in the Middle East, it's quite a prudish traditional society 2,000 years ago, and there's no way that men would talk about their women in public ever. Um, uh, it's unthinkable. It's unthinkable to even infer sex in public. It's shameful to, to do that. And this guy doesn't even say, please excuse me. Um, the Reading equivalent would be, I'm not coming because I'm in bed with my wife. Uh, you know, I swear I'd rather be, yes, yeah, so would we all, but we don't say that publicly. And so these three excuses grow in audacity. They want to publicly humiliate him. The plan is to get the village to laugh at him and say, ha, huh, you cooked all that food and everyone turned you down, stood you up. Uh, they're trying to get him to cool off the banquet, to waste the food. There's no refrigeration system. You've, you've prepared all this meat. It will be uh, going off tomorrow. You know, we've caused you to embarrass yourself. They're trying to get him to cool off the banquet. So let's just pause for a moment. Remember, Jesus is telling this story in the house of a Pharisee. The Jewish people had this great expectation. One day Messiah will come and he will invite us all to the banquet of God. And Jesus is saying, firstly, I am Messiah. I have come. Now is the time of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is here and among you right now. This is a moment in history. But also Jesus is saying, your refusal to engage with my teaching, with my message, is an insult to God. Your excuses are pitiful and rude. Your attempts to shut me and my ministry down, to silence me, to sideline me, to humiliate me, your attempts are noted. In rejecting me, you guys are rejecting God. That's what Jesus is saying. Verse 21, we'll carry on with our story. So the servant came 
and he reported these things to the master. These guys are making these stupid excuses. How will the man react? I've prepared my food. I've generously invited the leading men of the village. These are wealthy guys. This is rich people excuses. Yeah, I'm buying a field. I'm buying five yoke of oxen. You know, so he's, inv he's invited the, the wealthy, the leading guys of the village. What did they say? That is shocking. Did they really say that? Oh my goodness. Verse 21, the master of the house became angry. Of course he did. He said to his servant, go out quickly and, and then this is where the surprise comes, go out quickly to the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in the poor and the crippled and the blind and the lame. So this is the pivot verse in the story. This is the one where the surprise is, where the unexpected bit is. He becomes angry. That's not a surprise. It, again, it would be unreasonable for him to be angry if these uh, people were unavoidably absent. But it's because of this great intentional personal public insult that he takes this insult and he becomes angry. Now, when someone insults you or when there's injustice or when something is wrong and it affects you personally, it comes with a kind of an energy. You get angry. Sometimes you can even feel that anger in your, in your fingers, in your body. You can tremble like, I feel angry. And the question is, what do you do with that energy? The natural thing is to kind of bounce it back and retaliate, take revenge. You insult me, I'm gonna come and insult you. You hurt me, I'm gonna hurt you. You slap me, I'm gonna slap you. The natural thing is revenge, is, is uh, to, to take that energy and bounce it back. But what, what happens here is he takes this energy from anger and he turns it into, rather than a destructive, retaliatory energy, he turns it into a creative, uh, energy a positive energy that is going to do something new it's like wind energy the wind blows uh, a wind those wind turbines harness it and transform it into a different kind of energy electric electrical energy so they they harness the wind and make electricity and that's what he's doing here he's harnessing this insult and he's making grace this host reprocesses his anger into grace so this is a key learning for us on how to handle anger insult, injustice, hurt, slight. But most importantly, we learn something amazing about God. He's invited people to his banquet. People say no, they make their excuses. They're rude and pitiful and insulting. It hurts him personally. It's offensive to him and he is angry. What does he do with that anger? He sends Jesus, he sends his messenger to invite others in. He sends his son. This story is the story of the world. It's our story. Hear the urgency in his voice. Go out quickly. Bring them in. It's getting late. The clock's ticking. The countdown has started. The food is ready. The tone is like the, the TV box set 24. Remember Kiefer Sutherland? Uh, the clock is ticking. Go quickly. Who does he invite? The poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame. These are the people in the village that everybody knows, everybody sees every day but nobody ever bothers to invite. The poor are not invited to banquets. The crippled don't get married. The blind don't examine fields. The lame don't test oxen. These guys aren't gonna have the excuses that the other guys had. This is actually a genius response to the wealthy excuse givers. You think that if you all don't come, the party's gonna get canceled because you think it's about you. No, the party's still going ahead. I'll sideline you and I'll invite other people. 
Uh, I'm inviting these riffraff. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. Uh, I don't think that's what God is saying here, but you can imagine the sentiment. Verse 22. And the servant said, Sir, what you commanded has been done, and there is still room. The master said to the servant, Go out. There's a second going, a going beyond. Go out to the highways and the hedges and compel people to come in. There, there's still room. That's powerful. Jesus said that 2,000 years ago. It's still true today. There is still room in the kingdom of God. There's still space for more people to come in. The, 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 the clock is still ticking. We're still in that window. Go out to the, the hedgeways. He's not talking about you know people that live in hedges. He's not talking about Wurzel Gummidge. Um, in, in village life, you've got the roads that spread out in between villages and the roads go often go along the line of where it hedges. So what he's saying is go outside the village, go to people that aren't normally here, people that we don't even know yet. In village life, you've got the, the characters you know, the blind, the beggars, but then you've got the ones that are strangers, that are foreigners, that are beyond, that you never see or interact with. Go and get them. And then he says this strange word, he says, compel them to come in, force them to come in. Why would you do that? Um, this word has been misused in the history of Christianity, sadly. The Spanish Inquisition, the Crusaders, they, they read this and they thought that means we should baptize people at sword point. We should force people to convert to Christianity on pain of death. That's not what compel means here. We can't force you to believe. But they need to compel because these outcasts will consider themselves unworthy. The man in the big house is inviting me. But, you know, maybe he's just virtue signaling. Maybe he, he thinks it looks good to invite people like me. He just wants the photo op. He wants to put it on his Instagram. Ha, look, you invited uh, me from outside. But he doesn't really want the likes of me. It's just virtue signaling. Maybe that's how you feel today. What, me? You want me to come to church? You want me to come to the, to the family of God? You want me to, to, but I'm not educated enough. I'm not nice enough. I'm not polite enough. I'm not sorted enough. I wouldn't fit in. I want to compel you to come today. I want to grab you and bring you in. There's an irony here, isn't there? The sorted people say no, and the broken people say no, but for different reasons. The sorted people see themselves as important and the invitation as not very important. But the broken people see themselves as unimportant and the invitation as too important for them. The first group, there's nothing I can do about. Fine then. You think you're too important for this invitation? The party will carry on without you. But the second group, we can compel you to come in. Come in, yes. God really does want you in his family. Yes, he really does want to invite you in. Yes, we would love as a church you to come and be part of our community. Yes, yes, yes. God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. And we see that here. So the first group that they go and invite is the known marginal characters. We know them, but we don't want them. And then the second group is the outsiders, the foreigners, the Gentiles. We don't even know them yet. Who are those groups in your life? Who do you need to move towards to reach out to, to invite? And then the final verse, verse 24. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. And um, there's a lovely emphasis here where Jesus says, my banquet. So Jesus, all along he's been saying, 
I'm coming on behalf of my father to invite you to his banquet. He's the one who's sent from God. But here he's saying, actually, it's my banquet. I'm the host. I am God. So Jesus is both the one who comes from God and he is God. That's our story. And now briefly as we come to an end, just what do we learn from this story? Let's just reflect for a moment on some of the things. Number one, Jesus is telling us about himself. He's teaching us about who he is. The comment about eating and, king, eating and drinking in the kingdom of God at the beginning, the messianic banquet, and Jesus is saying, I am the Messiah. I'm the promised one that you've been waiting for. I'm the one that was prophesied about in books like Isaiah hundreds of years ago. And now the awaited time has come. The doors are open. The banquet is ready. The meat is prepared. Come in. Jesus is saying that at that point in history. He's saying, I'm the one who's sent by God to invite people to his banquet. But he's also saying, it's my banquet. I'm the host. I'm the inviter. I am God. You know, in John, we read the word was with God and the word was God. And that's what we see. This is an extraordinary claim. And you can see why people were provoked and made angry by this claim of Jesus to be God. Second thing that we learn is actually we see something here about the anger of God. Now, the host is rightly angry at these refusals because they're weak, cheap excuses. He has every right to retaliate, to use that energy for retribution. That would have been an appropriate response, but instead he reprocesses his anger into grace. A parable takes something that we do understand to try and explain something that we don't understand. And we can understand this man's uh, anger, but sometimes it's hard to understand God and his anger. Uh, uh, it's a bit in here like a judo uh, throw, apparently. I've never done it, but I think if a big guy comes at you, you can use his momentum, his energy his strength and you can kind of pivot and throw him if you get it right and and that's what that's what's happening here this insult comes at God but he reprocesses it into an energy of grace yes God is angry this is a righteous anger he has every right we do not we dare not shy away from the personal sense of injustice in God caused by humankind's blatant disregard of his generous offer of grace we can't shy away from it the question is, what does God do with his anger? He doesn't pour out plagues. COVID, coronavirus, is not the judgment of God on a disobedient world. No, 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 no. Through the cross, he reprocesses that anger through Jesus Christ into grace. And he extends an invitation to other people. Number three, the urgency in this story. There is a, a time-bound urgency, isn't there, to the whole story. The clock is ticking from come, everything's ready, the potential waste of food, evening's coming, the sun's setting. All of it is pressured, urgent, compel them to come in. That, that tone, that urgency, that is appropriate for the church. Jesus often taught about urgency. Uh, between There's this window between it being prepared and then it being too late. That's the time, friends, in which we now live. Between the first coming of Jesus and then the, the return of Jesus in the future. We live in that window. And so this tone is an appropriate 
mood for the church. There should be urgency in our prayers, in our inviting, in our living, in our preaching. Don't waste time. Don't waste your life. If you feel this point, I want to pray for you right now. If you think, yes, I I want the urgency of God in my life. It's not something you can stir up. It's something that comes uh, by understanding the time in which we live. I'm going to pray for you right now. Holy Spirit, bring your fire and burn in us, I pray. Let there be a zeal, a passion, an energy, an urgency in us. God, help us not to waste our lives. Give us, I pray, that burning energy from God in Jesus' name. Some of you are feeling that right now. Receive it. Amen. Number four, fourth thing we learn. This story is our story. It's the story of the world. Ever since the Garden of Eden, which was full of food, God has been inviting people to eat with him. But Adam and Eve rejected him and walked away. And actually, so have many, many of their descendants all the way through history, including us. You know, God says all day long, I've held out my hands to a stubborn people. But God doesn't give up inviting people. He goes again. He sends Jesus into the world amongst the poor and the crippled and the blind and the lame and the people that wouldn't normally get invited. There's a window. There's still a window before night falls and it's too late when Jesus is extending the invitation of God to people all over the world. And finally, if you're feeling this invitation, you need to respond today. Whatever excuse you have, it's stupid and insulting. It's stupid and insulting. You might say no because you see yourself as important and the invitation is not very important. Then there's not a lot I can do for you. But if you're saying no or resisting because you see yourself as not important and this invitation from God as very important, then that's actually a good place to be in and all the more reason to compel you to come in. I want to comp- urge you today. You know, when I was 17, I responded to an invitation like this and my life completely changed. It started going a completely different direction. It's so much better to do life with God in your life than without him. Um, there's someone here, I just feel, uh, your big question is a question about your sister. You're losing her. You're losing her. You don't understand how it's happened You don't understand why it's happened. But if you could ask God any question, it would be, God, what about my sister? And um, I just feel you need, God sees you, he knows you, he understands that. You need to come to him and bring your question and he will answer it. And he has an answer for your sister too. Reach out to someone, get in touch with someone, whoever invited you, call them, talk it through. Uh, Also, I just feel there's someone listening today. You've got pain in your stomach, right in the bottom of your stomach, down here. And I just want to pray for healing for you. Right now, there's pain there. Just put your hands on that area of your body. And I pray in the name of Jesus, let the healing of God come. Let a healing anointing come from the Holy Spirit. Release the pain, I pray, oh God. Let your touch come to my brothers and my sisters. Amen. Amen. The time is now the invitation is clear the clock is ticking the host is gracious how will you respond